Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome back to the Leanne Ward Nutrition Podcast. As most of the world is in lockdown or isolation due to COVID-19, I thought a podcast about self-love and happiness was just what you guys needed. And to help me out today, I have the incredible Sierra Nielsen as our special guest. Sierra helps individuals own their worth, build confidence, and get healthy from the inside out. She's an online trainer, nutritionist, and transformation coach, starting with the basics of loving yourself first. Please go and check out her Instagram account, which is at Sierra Nielsen, as she posts the most wonderful, real, and helpful content for all of those struggling with life, love, and self-worth. Now, this podcast will be split into two parts as Sierra gave us so much juicy content that we had to do a part two to answer all the listener questions as well. So in today's episode, we discuss confidence and happiness, how to respect your own health journey, how to overcome heartache, how to find the light at the end of the tunnel, and how to ask for help if you're really struggling. So pop in some headphones and go and grab a nice cup of tea because the gold in this podcast is absolutely worth paying extra special attention to. Welcome to the podcast, Sierra. I'm so excited to have you on today, talking all things self-love, health, and purpose amongst pain. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Now, I'd love for you to tell our listeners, firstly, um, a little bit about your journey. So how did you, um, I guess, come to being a trainer, a nutritionist, and a self-love transformation coach? And that is an amazing title. (laughs) Thank you. It was actually confusing coming up with that title. I didn't really know exactly what to call myself. But for me, my job has always been so much more than being a trainer and nutritionist. So for me, that really fit. Mm -hmm. Um, Long story short, I've been now, it's been about four and a half years that I've been in this business. I actually was in entertainment before working on the business side in TV, film and talent management. And I've had two major life transformations in my life, turning points in my life, you could say. And both of them dealt with my mom getting sick with stage four cancer, stage four lymphoma, she had. And back in 2015, um, is when I lost my mom and five months before I lost my nephew um, unexpectedly. So 2015 just completely rocked my world upside down. And my mom was my best friend and it was such a, I was her caregiver during that time. It was such a difficult journey to go through. And I was at the time I had been working in in entertainment and I took a year off to go take care of her and to be her caregiver. And when I came back, I just had this huge life turning point where I realized I wasn't happy with what I was doing. I I wasn't fulfilled. And I also really didn't know myself and, you know, went through this massive year-long self-love transformation journey for myself. And I just realized in that moment, you know, I had, I remember it was five months after losing my mom that I went through probably what I would say is the lowest of lows. Like I really hit rock bottom. And I just remember thinking to myself, you know, as unfair as it is that my mom's time here was cut short, that I was still here and that's what mattered and that I had the power to change the story. And every single day I got up and I told myself that. And for me, if I wanted a second chance, if I wanted to start over, it had to 
come from a place of true self-love and learning how to do what I've never learned how to do my entire life, which was truly learn how to take care of myself. And because my entire life, I've been a caregiver. I've always been taking care of other people. I always put other people before myself. You know, I never really dove into and cared that much about my nutrition, cared that much about movement, cared that much about diving deep into all the reasons why I am who I am and my thoughts and the mental side of things. And so I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to do this right. Um, So I kind of avoided myself Uh, from the outside world for a while as I dove in. And for me on the training and nutrition side, it did actually stem from um, seeing my mom in the hospital and realizing how, I hate to say it, but how poor our medical system is. And, you know, just for instance, and I'm sure you could totally understand this, you know, Mm -hmm. I had moved my mom to Seattle, which has one of the best stem cell transplant teams in the country. And I just, I remember asking them, you know, so what should we be doing on the nutrition side? What should we be feeding her? And their response was just, you know, whatever's going to make her happy. And I was just like, from a normal person standpoint, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. How could that possibly make sense? Mm -hmm. So when I came out after that, after she passed away, I felt I got really interested in learning as much as I possibly could about my body. I've always known and realized, and I realized this even more on my self-love journey, that we are so much more than our body, but our body is such a beautiful gift. Um, So in order to do all the things that we want to do, and for me, in order to heal and to get past this, I had to take care of my body. And I really learned about how much it affected me mentally. You know, mental and physical health to me are one and the same. Mm-hmm. They are so connected. And that's why becoming a trainer and nutritionist, I knew I had to tackle the mental side of it as well because they're all so interconnected. But so that's, again, as I continue to ramble, that is that is sort of how I became what I've become today. And also I'll say I never meant to do this. Mm-hmm. It kind of gradually naturally happened as other people saw what I was doing. And it was an interesting journey as well because I had come from being an executive. Um and I had I had to face a lot of criticism and sort of condescending remarks from people telling me like, okay, Sierra, so what you're just gonna be like a personal trainer now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I had to own that. And I had to know that what I was doing was something really powerful and that there was something beyond it. And that's also when I started because I knew I wanted it to be something so much more. That's when I created Your Soul Sexy, my community, which for me at the time was really just it was really just going to be a platform and a community and a space to have the hard conversations and to talk about what was really important, what was really beautiful, what was really sexy, because I think we all know how difficult life can be, especially as a female in this online space. And, you know, I'm sure we'll get more into that um, in the podcast. But yeah, that's kind of been my journey. And I just am so much happier to be here and to be able to be of service to others. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a whole different journey, but I'm really excited to be here. And such a beautiful journey. It's almost like you found your purpose amongst pain. Absolutely. 100%. It, it's, it really took that moment as difficult as that was, the darkest moment in my life gave, gave me the chance to start all over again and gave me the chance to really pursue something of meaning and of purpose. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not grateful that I lost my mom, but I'm so grateful that it gave me this opportunity. Definitely. Yeah. And I absolutely love what I do online and all our listeners at home, you definitely need to go and check out her social media profiles because they are so just raw and real and inspirational. Um, I, yeah, I just absolutely love when you pop up in my Thank feed. You. <laughs> 
Thank you. Now, I'd love for you to tell our listeners just the sort, different sorts of things that you do on a daily basis for your work and for yourself. So I guess that um, no day is going to look the same for you. But what are some things that generally you do for your clients, for your online community, and even for yourself on a sort of a regular basis as such? Yeah. I mean, I, I actually have been getting this question a lot because there's a lot, a lot of women in particular that are trying to become an entrepreneur and do the training route. I, for myself, um, which I think sometimes people forget is I am part-time in person and then the rest and then half the day is doing stuff online. So I still do have in-person coaches where, you know, I'm not, I'm, I rarely ever bring on a, tra- a client that just wants me for training. It's mm-hmm. across the board, helping them with their training program. I come in, work with work with them as their nutritionist, even if that's helping with their staff, with their assistants. A lot of my clients are more high profile, so it's even teaching their chefs how to cook, cook healthy, having daily menus for them. But then also just really tackling. Like most of the time, when I sit down with the clients, they hate that I don't even want to talk about the nutrition and the training. I want to talk about their lifestyle and what's happening <laughs> and their stress and their sleeping because all of that is so important. And if you have a coach that is not talking about those things, you need to get a new coach. 100%. Because to me, those are the most two of the most important things. So I work with them fully across the board, 360. And then a lot of it is, you know, managing my own business on the other side of things and doing the content and the emailing and the online stuff. And it's, you know, it's a whole, it's learning to, to be my own boss was tricky, but I'm also so fortunate. Um, you know, and I'm just constantly learning and educating and, and figuring out how I could grow the business to help be more of service to others. So there's so many different aspects to it. But, um, you know, eventually the goal would be to move fully online. But I also love that in-person aspect. And that's where, to me, the real experience um, and humanness, that touch. I just can't imagine not having that in my life. Exactly. Not being able to physically like give someone a high five or um, anything like that after an awesome session or something. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I would love to chat to you about confidence and happiness. These are questions that I get all of the time and I'm sure you get them um, constantly throughout your DMs and emails as well. And I always say to my tribe that, you know, confidence confidence and happiness starts from within. You'll never find confidence or happiness in a smaller body. And clients say to me, you know, I want to lose weight so I'll be confident or I want to um, get a six pack so I'll finally be happy. And I like to explain to them that no matter what your body shape is or your weight, confidence and happiness isn't found there because I've met so many people that are, you know, you'd look at them and think, oh, they're so fit, they're so healthy, but they're not happy. And so a body size or a body weight doesn't equal happiness. We really need to start that work on ourselves and then work on our nutrition and our fitness um, for completely you know, other reasons like fitness helps with our stress and helps with our mental health and nutrition. Just putting good foods into our body helps with our, our mood and our um, gut health and that sort of thing as well. So how do you, I guess, talk about separating them and how do you chat to your tribe about finding that confidence and happiness when so many people relate it to their appearance and their body weight? Oh gosh, there's so many aspects of this conversation, but two (laughs) big ones. I think the first thing, and in my program, I would honestly say that my work is a lot of self-awareness work. And Mm -hmm. I think the biggest part of this problem is, is the awareness behind why we feel that way. And really, it all comes down to the fact that we have been taught through society, through all of this messaging, through social media that we need those things to be happy. You know, there are billion dollar businesses that rely on us 
feeling unworthy and feeling like we have to have that six pack and feeling like we have to be that size two and fit in those that size jeans to be happy. Mm -hmm. But like once we have that awareness that none of that really matters and that once we understand that they are doing that to make us feel unworthy so we buy their product, you know, that's just one example. But, you know, other examples of other uh, understanding that people making us feel that way are their own um, it's their own internal reflections about how they're feeling about themselves. It's really having that awareness and, and understanding why we feel that way, getting to the root of that. But then more importantly, understanding that what I always say, whether we're talking about confidence or strength or happiness or worthiness, that they're not inherent traits. Those are not just things that we're born with, that we wake up with one day and you're like, oh, I'm feeling so confident today. They're skills. Those things are earned and they're practiced. And, you know, same thing with self-love. And that's what I talk with all the time. I think people forget that it's a daily practice. You know, if someone's t- if someone comes to me and they're like, I just, I'm j- I just don't feel confident. I'm just not feeling worthy. I will ask them, well, do you act as if you are? And their, their normal answer is no, because they've mm-hmm. already identified themselves as unworthy and not confident. So then they're going to act and show up in the world in those ways. So we're just, we're just reminding people that it's, it's not just a feeling, it's an action. So if you want to feel worthy, if you want to feel confident, you have to act like it. You know, you get, it's like that saying where people say, you know, like you get in life what you have the courage to ask for. I totally believe that. But I also think it's more Mm -hmm. about the ask. It's not just about the ask. It's about the action. You know, you don't pray for strength. You get the opportunity to practice strength. You don't just wake up and hope you feel confident. You practice being confident. You know, and so I think that that's really important. And it's those little things that you can do every single day. You know, I just, someone like DM me saying that they, you know, felt really afraid and didn't feel confident to go to the gym. And it was wrapped around all this self worry and the shame about what other people would think. Hey, drop that because everyone else is just worried about themselves. I promise you. And everyone (laughs) else is is in there is carrying around that same shame and fear. And like instead, we get to switch that and celebrate one another. But, you know, take even if you get to the gym for five minutes, you better celebrate that because that's a huge win. And then proving to yourself that you can keep doing those little things, that's what builds confidence. And it's a consistent action. Mm -hmm. And that's where also people think that, you know, success and confidence has an end point and somewhere that you've got to get to to feel that way. But it's not. It's a consistent journey and consistently trying to better yourself and build that confidence. So again, it's just, it's it's a daily action. Um, you know, and I would say, obviously, and I'm sure you've seen this too, but like, I really feel like low self-confidence and unhappiness are often, they often goes hand in hand with this mentality of scarcity, mm-hmm. you know? So really start focusing on the good things about yourself, the things that you can do, the things that you have accomplished versus everything that you haven't. But it's really difficult. You're so right when you say that if, when we talk about shape and size, you're like, no matter what shape or size you are, you are, you have to understand that we are all in this together. We all feel that that way because we live in a society that's so externally focused. But it really, you, you and I have both been there. Mm-hmm. We have been there. We have gotten there, you guys, to understand. Like I, when I first got into fitness, I got in the best shape of my life, and I was still so unhappy. And mm-hmm. more than that, I was picking myself apart more than I ever had before. I was more self conscious because it was all about the body. 
mm-hmm. you know? So you have to realize that you're so much more than your body. You know, I don't know about you, but ne- the biggest turning point in my fitness career, my health, my health career was switching it from that physical um, aspect to what my body could do. And now I focus on how strong I am. Like I may, even if I gained, you know, I'm, I'm much heavier than I ever was before, but I can squat more than I could Mm -hmm. ever squat. I could squat anyone that has anything bad to say about my body. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that, that just, that's, I wanted to feel powerful. I wanted to feel good. I wanted to Mm -hmm. be able to do all the things. So I really want, I really hope that more women can learn that and focus on that aspect of it. And then that's where you build the confidence because you could do all of these things that you could never do before. Yeah. So focusing on behaviors and not numbers, because I feel like so many people are like, I just want to lose, you know, 10 pounds, 20 pounds, or if you're in Australia, 10 kilos or something like that. And it's like, you're so fixated on this magical number. What does that number even mean? And once you reach it, what are you going to do? Like, what's going to happen? How's your life magically only going to be better if you lose a couple of kilos? Because people aren't, you know, they're not going to treat you any better or any different. And if they do, I'm sorry, but they're not your true friends. Like if you start getting self-respect from being in a smaller body, that's not the type of people that you you want to hang out with and want to be around. Yeah. So it's really around building those beautiful behaviors that come with that confidence and happiness, doesn't it? Rather than fixating on numbers or a size or a certain, um, you know, look like you're aiming for a six pack or something like that. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know why we're all aiming to have a six pack so much. Like it is for most of us, by the way, unless you were one of the genetic outliers, it is a really difficult thing to do and maintain. Um, It's so stressful, in my opinion. But also, you know, when I think about the people that I think are beautiful humans and I admire, I never once think about their bodies or it has nothing to do with their body. So it's just crazy to me that we are all so focused on feeling worthy based on the way that we look. Um, And I really think, again, I think it's so much about what's in the media and what we're taught and, you know, following all these Instagram models that have the perfect bodies. And, you know, it's just for most of us, that's just not real life. A hundred percent. And I'm, again, you would probably have a lot of people say the same things to you, but I get people saying in DMs, like, you know, I meet people that, um, you know, are so confident and they're so happy and how do they do that? And, you know, they, they might be living in a larger body, but they're so confident. And as you said, like, it doesn't come from, uh, you know, where you look, those people have woken up one day, and decided I'm going to be confident and I'm going to be happy. And it, it just goes from there. Like it's something you've got to work on every single day. And in terms of that happiness, I find that, you know, people can find happiness out of the most, you know, horrendous situations or at least gratefulness. And so I think for our listeners at home, waking up and just picking one or two things to feel grateful for every day mm-hmm. can really start to build some of that confidence and happiness. Like I was talking to a client just yesterday um, and she was always saying to me, you're so positive you're so confident all the time. And I said, it really does start with waking up. And I say three things every morning before I even get out of bed. You know, most people wake up, they fumble around for their alarm. They're like, oh my God, what day is it? I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And I wake (laughs) up and I think I'm awake. I'm so grateful to be alive. I'm so grateful to have two feet to put on this floor. I'm grateful for a roof over my head. Like sometimes it's just the simple things that we forget how lucky we are compared to other Australians or other Americans or other people that don't have a home to live in or don't have the opportunity to go to work. Like even if you hate your job, be grateful that you have a job to pay the bills and to put a roof over your head or 
even if you, um, there's something that you, um, I don't know, maybe you've had an accident and you, you've lost a limb or something, be grateful that you've still got this life on earth to potentially, um, you know, help other people and change other people's lives. So it does really start with just being grateful for what we have. And that's sort of the foundation that we can build confidence and happiness from, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, a gratitude practice is one of those things that I, I, I feel at this point, everyone's heard about. Um, mm. And it's almost seen as something super cliche, but it is so powerful. So if you're not doing a gratitude practice in your life right now, we challenge you to start one. And again, you could write it down. You could say it in the morning. You could say it in the shower. Um, one other thing that I always like to ha- encourage people to do, and this is very difficult for men, um, is, is the I love you challenge. Mm. Like actually mm. stare at yourself in the mirror with and be very genuine. Let your guard down and say I love you and then your name. How often do we, we say, I love you all the time, but we never say it to ourselves. So true. And just even that one simple thing could be very, very powerful. So true. And for people who are really, really, really struggling with that at home, what I like to say to people is if they look in the mirror and all they can think is, you know, I hate every part about me, pick something and flip it around. So you might not say that I love my arms, you know, my arms are so sexy. You might just say like, I love the strength in my arms to be able to carry around Mm -hmm. my two-year-old or I love... Um, you know, you might think your legs are really big, but I love my big legs for having the strength to carry me around all day long or to to get me to my loved ones when they need help. So just start with that as your foundation to just find some sort of positive aspect of your body. It doesn't have to be appearance wise or people yeah. think when they're talking about parts of their body, like I love my my big shoulders or I love my my nose or something like that. But you can always find some sort of positive aspect in that. And again, it comes back to that, that gratefulness, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, and it, you know, I think we had this conversation on Online so much with everyone feeling like they need to love their cellulite. They need to love their stretch marks. I, I you know, great if you do, but I don't think you need to, mm. that we're not asking you to love every part of yourself. We're asking you exactly what you're saying to love what it brings you and to find those beautiful parts of it, you know? Um, it, and it's, and, and know that it's not going to be a steady battle. Some days we're going to feel really good. Some days we're not, but that's, we keep going back to that gratitude you know, to keep us on track. hundred percent. And again, if someone's really struggling to even just say, I love this part about me out loud, start with, I appreciate. Yeah. So I appreciate my body because from that appreciation will grow self-love, won't it? Absolutely. It's just that journey, that process that I think, you know, you see all this body positivity online and it's incredible. It's amazing. But some people aren't there yet. And I get people messaging me saying, do you wake up and you love your body every day? No, I don't. And I'm sure that you don't as well. And that's perfectly okay. But every day I appreciate my body for what it can do for me. I don't love it every single day, Mm -hmm. but every day I appreciate what it gives me and what it does to me. So just start with that appreciation. So on those days you don't feel feel, feel good or you don't feel like you can say, I love you, Mm -hmm. say thank you. Say thank you to your body because it's allowing you to be here and to do all the things that you want to do and to be there for your friends and family. And you know, whatever, thank it for whatever is going on in your life right now. There's so much power to that. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now I'm going to do something that I've never done on this podcast before, and we're going to do a gratitude challenge together. So wherever you're listening, I'm going to say three things I'm grateful for. We haven't planned this just totally off the top of my head. You're going to go next. And then our (laughs) listeners at home are going to pause it. Even if they're driving in the car, just hit pause on the, you know, on the radio or anything. Don't do anything dangerous on the road, but just say out loud three things that you are grateful for. So I'm going to go first. 
I am so grateful that you are on this podcast right now with me, giving your wealth of knowledge to the rest of the world. I am so grateful that it is a sunny day in Australia and I get to look out the window and just feel happiness for that warmth and that sunshine. You can probably see coming through my window right now. It just makes me so happy looking out the window and seeing that sunshine. And thirdly, I'm grateful that I'm a terrible plant mom and I'm looking at my fig right now, my fiddle fig, and it's still alive. So that is the third thing that I'm grateful for today. Now it's your go. (laughs) Oh, that is amazing. One of mine is dying, but I'm thankful that she's still alive. (laughs) I've killed so many plants this year. I think that this is actually what's crazy when you were saying your gratitude list. I'm looking out my window right now in Los Angeles and it is rainy and stormy and windy. And I am so thankful for that. Yeah. Normally I'm thankful for the sunny days, but I'm thankful because we need this. But also it's one of those days that allows me to feel okay about slowing down. Mm, um, and I'm also really grateful for, I'm grateful to be on this podcast and to be sharing everything that we're talking about. These are such important messages. And thirdly, I am so excited that one of my sister-in-laws is two months away from having her little baby girl and everything is going well and she's healthy and happy. Absolutely love it. Now, listeners at home, it is your turn. Put your audio on pause for a minute and just say out loud three things to be grateful for. It could be the tiniest or the largest things. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be difficult. But the more you do this, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. So make it your mission to wake up every day and just say three things that you're grateful for and start your day in a positive way. And that in itself will build that happiness and that confidence over time. Alrighty, welcome back to the podcast. I um, hope that you enjoyed that fun little challenge. It was really fun for us. <laughs> I love now, it. Now, my next question for you, um, taking a totally, um, I guess, different approach, um, is really around some of that heartache that you've been through. Um, actually, no. Firstly, I want to ask you about um, your journey in respect to your own health and body because we talked about that a little bit before. We've both come from those backgrounds where we've overtrained, we've overexercised, we've undereaten a little bit, we've achieved what people would look in and look at us and say the goal. Body Body or the dream body or anything like that. And we've, we've got there and we're like, I'm not happy or what am I working towards? Or, you know, I'm constantly hungry. I'm constantly tired. I'm not sleeping. Like, what is all this for? So if you had a few messages to tell your 10-year-old self or your teenage self, what would those messages be? Or if there's any young women listening at home, what would be your kind of take-homes for achieving that health and happiness to stop them from going through some of those things that we went through with our bodies and the over-exercising and the under-eating and trying to, you know, work towards a magical weight, which, you know, what even is that? Like, what is the magical weight for people anyway? So what are those top messages that if you could, I guess, write your 10-year-old self a letter about your health and your relationship with food and your body, where would you start or what would you say? You know, I think the biggest message that I would say to my 10-year-old self now looking back is that we are just, you're so much more than just a body and that no matter what shape or size you are incredibly beautiful. We are all built so differently and we're all trying to fit this perfect ideal. There's no perfect ideal and it's crazy. We're just up against impossible standards as women. So be whoever you want to be, you know, but the second thing I would say, and I wish that I would have known more about this and maybe I wouldn't have gone down the path that I did as an adult is that our body is beautiful and we are more than our body, but it's also so important to take care of it. Mm -hmm. I feel like so many of us are not taught that, 
you know, and I almost wish that in the school systems we had a nutrition course, we had something to teach us about taking care of our bodies, because really that's kind of up to the parents at home. But most of us are not educated. And it's a difficult time even now, and I'm sure you understand to even have those conversations around nutrition because of the anti-diet society, but mm-hmm. it's empowering. And it goes, it, it's, a, it you know, it really... We understand we understand nutrition and movement as healing. Mm-hmm. And we understand it as um, one of the best things that we can do for our health. And we, I, you know, it's just I wish that I would have known that before because all I focused on when I was a when I was a kid and even when I was a teenager and young twenties was all I thought about when I thought about my body was looking good. Mm-hmm. But I wish that we were taught more about what our bodies were capable of, what they could do, how we could feel if we fed it the right things, what we could do if we moved more, those kind of things. So I think the biggest message is that we're so much more than our bodies, but it's also important to take care of it. A hundred percent. And I wish that I wish that you somebody had told me that when I was young, because you know I'm six, nearly six foot one, so I'm very very tall. And I grew up as I was the tallest kid in the whole of my primary school. And growing up as a teenager, I just wanted to buy. The the same um, clothes as my friends. And for some of the Aussies listening, you know, when I was a teenager, we used to go to shops like Supre and they had these like tiny little tank tops and these tiny little skirts. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wear any of that. Like they didn't even cover my butt cheeks. Like I wasn't going to wear anything like that. We had a store like that called Hollister here. Yeah. And for a kid that was like, you know, two heads taller than the rest of her friends, all I wanted to do was fit in. All I wanted to do was weigh what they weighed. All I wanted to do was eat what they eat. So I was as tiny as them, not really realizing, I guess, as a 12 or a 13 year old, that I can't shrink myself into something that I'm not, or I'm never going to weigh what they weigh because I'm two heads taller than them. And it took probably, you know, five or 10 years for the rest of my classmates to kind of catch up or even the guys to hit those growth spurts. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't just the the giraffe in the school anymore, but it's like, I was trying to mold myself into something that everybody, or I thought everybody else was, or everybody else liked, or everybody else wanted. And rather than just focusing on my own body and knowing that I couldn't change that, but I could find that happiness and that peace within myself and still take care of myself rather than trying to change me into something that I was never going to be. So I really hope that that message does resonate with some of our younger listeners as well, or if some of our listeners have children as well, knowing that they can um, just start to respect and appreciate their bodies. And as you mentioned, fueling it with good nutrition and and moving it in positive ways as well, not exercising for weight loss. Because I feel like people, they're so ingrained into thinking like you exercise, you lose weight. It's like that this equals that, whereas there are so many other positive aspects of exercise, aren't there? 100%. And I'll just say something really quick because you brought up being a parent. Mm. I was having this con- this uh, conversation with some of my friends the other day because we, even as grown women in our 30s in the health and wellness space, will catch each other talking about our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we've realized that we've got to stop that even within our own little group because we're unconsciously picking up all those cues from each other and unconsciously feeling shame about our own bodies because of it. And that's so important. And I've had this talk with my sister-in-laws about how we are as adults with our bodies around children because they are paying attention. They're paying attention if we're checking out our roles in the mirror, if we're saying anything negative about ourselves, Mm -hmm. they're paying attention to how we feel fuel our bodies, how we move. So, you know, we are all so we, it's not even just to the kids. We are all making a huge impact upon everyone. Each, each and every one of us, Mm -hmm. each and every one of us has the power to create that change and to create that ripple effect. But it really stems from being so personally aware 
with how we are towards ourselves. 100%. And even you might think that nobody's watching, but you might not even have kids and be at um, a shop and trying on some clothes. And there's a little girl waiting for a mum in the next changing room and she's watching what you're doing as well. So again, as you said, that awareness mm-hmm. that there's always sort of somebody watching and even, and it starts with yourself and, and appreciating what your body can do for yourself as well. And not constantly getting caught up in the body talk and the shaming and the negativity and the diet talk as well, because I feel like diet talk is yeah. so apparent within um, particularly female groups as well, isn't it? Like you just don't see groups of males sitting around talking about (laughs) their diet or wanting to lose their cellulite or anything like that. It doesn't happen. They're talking about football and beer, whereas as women, we're just- They're talking about, they're not talking about it, but they're feeling it. Yeah, very true. They're just, from what I've understood, what, what I've seen with a lot of male clients and with males in my life, they're going through a lot of the same problems that we are, but they're just naturally not as vocal about mm-hmm. it and not willing to be as vulnerable. So they are paying attention too. Um, you know, it's definitely something that we're all struggling with. And I think mm-hmm. that once we understand that it's something that we're all struggling with, that it's not someone that's a certain size that understands your journey. No, we're all dealing with it in our own individual way. And I think that once we realize that, then we can all find more compassion towards one another and really help this issue. A hundred percent. Yeah. So do you feel like some of these messages that we're talking about are a hundred percent apparent for guys as well? Like, you know, men should do a lot of these things that we're talking about as well, because you feel like, as I said, I don't, I don't work with, um, with um, guys at all. I've I guess, purely focus on females and those that I work with. Um, and so I guess I never even stopped to think about how I guess men could be feeling a little bit self-confident and have some of these body issues as well. But I guess it, it makes complete sense, doesn't it, as a society? Oh, 100%. I get I get DMs from guys a lot, mm. um, you know, just saying, I know that you're speaking towards women, but I wanted to thank you because it's really helped me because they're dealing with the same stuff, mm. especially with the right, you know, social media has has really it's been helpful, but it's also hurt a lot of people um, in the way that they feel about themselves. And especially men, you see, you see the same kinds of ripped athletic men on Instagram that you do women leading those lifestyles. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they definitely feel that pressure around their bodies for sure. They feel pressure, you know, on the self-love side and the confidence side, that's a huge thing, but they're just, they're, they're taught to be less vulnerable. They're taught to be strong, to not talk about it, to not think about it. They're taught to not cry. They're, you know, Mm. it's a whole different Mm. conversation. Um, and I think that we really need to welcome and encourage our, the men in our life to, to open up and to let them know that what they're feeling matters as well, because I feel like it's such a female centric thing right now, but, um, we need to, empower them to to speak up more than they do right now. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, now, anything else that I guess that you would, would start by saying to some of our younger listeners or if they're really struggling with just that comparison syndrome, like, you know, that happens with, with uh, I mean, I guess even adults these days as well, like we get online and we, we want to compare ourselves to someone else's Instagram story or like, what would you say to people who just can't, I guess, turn inwards and find that within themselves and they just find themselves constantly comparing themselves day to day and feeling like a failure and not feeling good enough. Would you have any tips for those, I guess, listeners at home who are really, really struggling to even start along their self-love journey? Um, first of all, I would say that you, uh, <laughs> social media is not usually real. <laughs> um, I really, and 
with my Instagram, I have always vowed to create space for the hard stuff and you won't come to my page and see all happy, shiny stuff. I will show you some of the moments where I'm going through very difficult things Mm -hmm. because I want to normalize struggle because, you know, it's just, we're all struggling. We're all going through things, but sometimes showing those positive things makes us feel better about our own life. So just understand that we're all human. We're all going through something behind those little squares on our Instagrams. There's real people dealing with real struggles and um, just know that you're not alone. And I deal with this a lot. Again, I keep going, I keep thinking about my sister-in-laws because they have new new kiddos and they're stay-at-home moms and they do. They follow all of these um, social media moms that have crews of people that are there taking photos and they do mm-hmm. this as their job and they've got all the pretty clothing and their house is gorgeous and there, it seems like they have the perfect meals all the time. And I'm just like, do you even want that? Like your life is so beautiful. And like, you know, I encourage people out there that feel that way to talk about those things, to talk about your struggles, because in those moments of being vulnerable and open it, opening up and sharing, you will find that you're not alone and you'll help those other people around you that are listening realize that as well. And, you know, just understand that we're all in this together. It is so, it's so difficult to not get pulled into that comparison trap. I do it. I'm sure you do it. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, it's having that awareness piece to check yourself back in and realize that what you have is our, is beautiful. You're doing your best and what you see online is probably not a hundred percent real. You know, so I, I I really like also do when it comes to social media, and I know that's where a lot of us get roped in, I encourage you to really filter your social media. Mm-hmm. Those accounts that are making you constantly compare yourself and making you feel less than un- unworthy, there's a really quick, easy way to, to change that, that little unfollow button. Like you do <laughs> not need them in your life. You do not need them in your feed. You are in full control of the kind of content and what you surround yourself with. So I encourage you to definitely do a little social media detox. Mm-hmm. One second click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would also like to point out that, I mean, I, I see it on my feed all the time, the, the new mums with their babies and their Louis Vuittons and their Gucci's mm. and they're, you know, standing next to their Range Rovers. And you just think, how can you look so fabulous? And you have like a two-month-old and where do you get all the money to buy those designer handbags from? <laughs> but it's like, if you're following even, like you might think that that feels like it's everybody out there is like this designer mum with this mansion and their Range Rover. But it's like, that's all you're following online. And if you're a stay-at-home mum, and you're not really seeing too many people during the day, it feels like that's everybody else out there and you're you're completely different. But I promise you that those Instagram superstars, you know, that's less than 1% of the population. So don't mm-hmm. get caught up in that thinking that that's, that's normal and you're, you're abnormal or something or you're at home covered in baby vomit and poop and that sort of thing. And you're <laughs> thinking that that's not normal because it's the complete opposite way around. And social media has this thing of this way of sucking you in and making you feel like you're the odd one out when that's all you see. But if you follow five or 10 Instagram superstar millionaire model moms, and that's all you're seeing, then, you know, that's, that's, I guess where the problem is because you think that that's the normal, whereas Mm -hmm. no one else is showcasing that. And they're famous for that for a reason. You know, they have these huge followings for a reason because they're outside of the normal. Normal people don't walk around with millions of followers online. That's not normal. So taking Mm -hmm. a step back from social media and realizing that as well. And same deal, like you see the, um, you know, the jacked up guys on social media and the, and the chicks with the, the tans and the, 
six packs and that sort of thing. Again, that's not the normal part of the population, but that's all you follow is all you follow bikini competition kind of girls who are in the best shapes of their lives because they're, it's essentially their job or they're competing. That's what you're going to see as your normal. So just be very aware of the, the amount of accounts that you follow because you're creating your own, I guess, normalization in your head based on how many of these accounts that you follow. So I think doing some sort of social media cleanse for a lot of people is very, very powerful, even just to normalize your thoughts and your feelings and that comparison syndrome, and particularly for younger people as well. You know, the majority of you, the people that you follow should be your friends and your family. And then a couple of accounts that inspire you or educate you or make you feel great about yourself, not accounts that you think, oh, I wish I had her life because she gets on private planes or she's got, you know, the most designer handbags I've ever seen in my life. I don't really follow any of those accounts because I myself feel like I'm inadequate. And I, it's just not a nice way to feel each day, every day when you're seeing all those posts on social media. And I'm sure that you're the same as well. I mean, no matter how mentally strong you think you are, we are all influenced. Mm -hmm. It really, like unconsciously that will sink in. So it really is really important. And if you choose to follow those people, just remember a lot of those people that you're following, that's their job. Mm -hmm. And they get a lot of that stuff That's They get paid for that. That's their Mm -hmm. job to look beautiful and set up all the, everything's staged, trust me. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's a tricky balance, but I think we can do our very best to try and filter it as much as possible and and put the power of our happiness back in our own hands. Love it. Love it. Um, and so some really great tips for a few people who who feel like they're struggling at home with that. Absolutely love it. Now, um, I guess I still wanted to, to stay on that path of um, struggling a little bit. And even in your own personal journey, you've gone through so much heartache from your dear mom to your nephew passing. I wanted to know what was that guiding light that got you through? What was that? I mean, we talked about you finding purpose amongst pain, but what would you say to people who have lost a loved one who are feeling so much pain and hurt and resentment that they can't there's no room to feel anything else right now they're so lost they can't even see that light at the end of the tunnel what would you say to them where should they start if they're listening to this podcast and they're really really struggling what would you say to those those people to me it's kind of a two-sided thing um i know people probably don't want to hear this but what i found um that was so helpful in my journey was to embrace the feeling lost Mm-hmm. was just like allow myself to sit in that darkness for a little bit. Um, and in the middle of that, I, I learned to strip myself of the shame of feeling lost and feeling dark and feeling um, like I was really, really, really struggling. And for a while there, I was afraid to admit it. I was afraid because my whole life, you know, even after my mom passed, I wanted my pain almost to be seen. I wanted it to be validated. I wanted people to know what I was feeling. But instead, most of what I got was, CR, you're so strong. If anyone can get through this, any, anyone, you, it, it would be you. All of those kind of messages when I would just, I just felt so broken mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I almost felt like I was too afraid to talk about it because our society has done such a good job of defining what emotions are good or bad or what emotions we should be ashamed of. And I'm so happy I went through that because I realized that none of those are, you shouldn't feel ashamed for any way, any way that you feel. And they're all a part of the journey. They're all a part of being human. They're all a part of being, being, um, giving you that perspective. Um, and also if I, didn't feel it. I would have just glossed over it. I would have hidden it deep down. It would have manifested in other ways in my life. So I really encourage everyone to feel it all, to feel what it feels like to feel 
truly human and to feel that sadness and feel that loss. Because again, now you have a perspective on life that is so, so, so rare that will eventually, even if it doesn't feel like it right now, will eventually open your eyes. Um, you know, it doesn't always feel like that in the beginning. Sometimes it feels really, really horrible. But in those moments, when you're feeling, allow yourself to feel that darkness, allow yourself to feel everything, but also hang on to the beautiful parts of your life and find that gratitude. It has to be the balance. My guiding light was my family, my siblings and I. Um, you know, my mom was a single mom of four who fought her entire life to give us a life that she never had. We came from nothing. Um, you know, when we, when we were young, my mom was putting herself through college right while um, managing two different jobs and creating nonprofits for other low-income single mothers. Like we were surrounded by this superhuman woman that made us realize that we could do anything and that and there was nothing that would ever stand in the way of what we wanted to accomplish. Um, so I held on to those moments, but I had to feel the sadness. Mm -hmm. I had just lost my best friend. I had to figure out how to move on in life without her. I had to think about all the moments I was going to miss without her. Um, it didn't make sense. Um, I couldn't there was no, you know, everyone always says everything happens for a reason. And I, I still don't know if I believe that. Maybe not everything happens for a reason. But I encourage you within that darkness to look for that meaning beyond it. Um, I promise you that there is. And for me, it was realizing that I had to go through this journey to be where I am today, to be able to be a better coach, to be able to have that perspective, to have that empathy, to be able to relate, to help change other people's lives and to help those going through that to understand that they're not alone. And I think that's what we all really, that's what I needed. I needed my feelings to be validated. I need to feel like what I was feeling was okay. Um, so many, so many parts of that, but you know, you will become in that process once you know, and you felt that and you've gone through it, you will come out on the other side, being a more compassionate, empathetic human being, but only if you allow it to not harden you. So sit with it but then also hang on to the light and find the gratitude and let it also soften you, you know, just, you can't avoid it. You have to dig deep. Um, and so don't be afraid of feeling lost. I think that's the biggest, the biggest message I'll say, don't be afraid of the feelings. Don't be ashamed of those feelings. Those are normal. Those are human. We are all going through it. Talk about it. Find someone that you can, a close family member or go to therapy. I went to therapy when it's so incredible. Um, and you know, I'm four years out. And it's taken me a long time to get here. Last summer was the first summer I went through where I literally, I was crying on the beach with my therapist because I just, for the, for four years, I between my nephew and my mom and two, a very toxic relationship I, I left, I just felt so heavy. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting on the beach with, with my therapist and I was like, I just don't want to feel this anymore. Like I want to feel joy. And I realized in that moment that like my next phase of my healing was joy. And I, but I had to go through that first phase of darkness to understand this next phase of joy and to fully appreciate it. So that's where I am now. And for all of you that are going through it, there's no amount of time limit to this. We all have our, our, own, our own journey. So don't listen to anyone's outside advice of you should be through this by now, or you should let this go. There's no letting go. And I will never be that person that says, let it go. I will be there holding your hand, asking you how I can get you through it. And I hope that you find someone in your life that can help you do that because we all have our own timeline for this. Beautiful. And I loved how you mentioned um, therapy and reaching out to friends and loved ones because 
for someone to say I'm struggling or I need help or this is too much, that's such a difficult thing to say, isn't it? And a lot of people, I guess, as you mentioned, don't even want to acknowledge that they're struggling because then they'll have to sit with that darkness and work through it and go through it. And that is such a difficult thing to do. So for those people who who really are struggling, um, what is that first step to asking for help or how do they get past that stigma of saying, you know, I really do need to talk to a professional like a psychologist or I need a little bit more help than perhaps what my friends or my family can offer, what would you say would be the first step? Because there is such a a stigma I feel like attached to working with people like psychologists. So how would you, I guess, um, recommend to people um, that first step to breaking down that barrier? Yeah, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a therapist at the beginning. I mean, I love therapy and I think that we all Mm -hmm. should be, I don't care if you're dealing with something terrible in your life or not. Like we all we all have physical checkups. I don't know why we don't have mental checkups and why that's not a normal thing. I think it's beautiful. And I think more than anything, it's just, it's a great avenue to learn more about yourself and to become more aware and to become a better human being. And I really want to keep having those conversations to normalize therapy. But in general, when it comes to saying I'm struggling, I've even had issues with that in the past. And I've had, in the beginning, it was easier. Um, But I remember even last summer, again, it was three years past. And I had almost felt shame for reaching out and telling my friends I'm struggling because I was like, man, they are sick of hearing me saying I'm struggling, <laughs> you know. But um, but I think we just have to remember that we all know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're struggling, we don't feel like other people understand what's going on. But also we just, again, we have to challenge everything. Like ask, why is saying I'm struggling a difficult thing? Again, it's difficult because we've been taught that to struggle like that is shameful or mm-hmm. is weakness. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing stronger than me in to me than admitting that you're struggling because then you get to wrap yourself up in the strength of those around you because we can't do this all on our own and we're mm-hmm. not meant to. We're meant to be here to help each other. And um, I definitely think that we are all stronger together. And um, you know, we need those people, like I said, like you need those people in your life that are not going to tell you just, you may get those people, I will tell you that, that are afraid and that say, ah, just get over it. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I've been through this. Oh, like I had a lot of people when I lost my mom that, and bless their heart, pain is relative, but would send me DMs about losing their dog. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel your pain, but yeah, not necessarily the same thing, but, um, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, but there are some people that are that maybe won't be the best support system for you mm-hmm. because they're too afraid to go deep within themselves and admit, admit they're struggling. So you got to find someone that does. And then those people in your life that maybe are afraid to speak their own truth and are afraid to admit that they're struggling will see your journey. And that will give them the strength and the encouragement to do that as well. Like every moment of courage that you have to speak up and be vulnerable is truly, I believe, and I see it happening, is such a ripple effect in those around you. Because it's all based around fear, but like what are we all really afraid of? We're mm-hmm. afraid of how people are going to judge us, mm-hmm. but, but their judgments of us, again, are just typically internal reflections of how they feel about themselves. Yeah, And I think we really have to understand that. So... Um, yeah, the first step is just asking for help. Stop feeling like you have to be positive all the time. I get my friends and I were talking about this the other day. I think that there's a big, I think there's a big difference, um, 
and especially in society today, I feel like there's almost um, toxic positivity that's being um, thrown everywhere. You don't always have to be positive and we're not built to be that way. And sometimes when you feel like, oh, just be positive, just be happy, it then will limit you from uncovering the the things that you need to uncover to get through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't want to mask any issues or feelings just because we feel like we have to be positive. And I really hope that that becomes a deeper conversation that people start having too. Like you do not always have to be okay. You do not always have to wake up and be like, this is going to be the greatest day ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's, 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 normal and human to feel all of the things. Mm-hmm. And once you start admitting that, I think you'll understand that the people around you are feeling the same. Couldn't agree more. Love that. And I love that your answer to my question, how do you how do you ask for help when you're struggling is to ask for help. Like it is really that simple, but society has conditioned ourselves into believing that it has to be more difficult than that or we're scared of that fear of judgment or what others may think, but it's literally simple as saying I'm struggling, I need help, isn't it? Yeah. And there's obviously, I mean, if you are not comfortable with people knowing, there are so many amazing resources now online. There are free therapy hotlines. There's better help. There's, you know, just reach out. I probably like, there's so many, there's no reason that we, that we shouldn't be reaching out, whether it be a friend, a therapist online, letting somebody know you don't just know you don't have to do this alone. Couldn't agree more. Now, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It's been absolutely incredible. We're going to bring you back for a second podcast because we have a ton of listener questions that I think our listeners will absolutely <laughs> love and learn and grow from. Um, but just quickly before we finish, you have a free um, self-love starter kit on your Instagram. Can you tell our listeners at home a little bit more about this and, and what it involves? because I'm sure that there are plenty of people listening that would love to go and and access that right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a, I think it's like a five page little guide and it's really just a lot of people were DMing me, asking me, I don't even know where to begin when it comes to self-love. So it is kind of just a little intro and, um, it gives, there's a daily self-love worksheet that you can fill out every single day that has some of my exercises that have really helped me. And then there's a list of things that you could do outside of that, um, just to really get you started on your journey. And it, it, again, it's those, it's small daily practices that you can do every single day. Um, um, you know, and then I haven't opened up to my, my eight week program again, it'll be coming soon, but then I have an eight week program that really helps you dive deeper. It's, um, nutrition training and then the self-love program, eight week program as well, that really dives into all those negative self-beliefs and those, um, things that we've learned from trauma in our past and comparison and all of the good things. So yeah, this, this little self-love starter kit is just a way to get you started. Absolutely amazing. And can you tell listeners at home where they can reach out to you, website, social media handles, and if they are interested in your eight-week program, um, what would be the best place to, I guess, follow you or reach out to you so they're aware of when that, when your next, um, I guess, intake happens? Yeah, absolutely. So all of my social media handles are at Sierra Nielsen. My email is Sierra at SierraNielsen.com. And if you wanted to sign up to get on the list uh, for notification for the next program, just make sure to sign up for my newsletter. And that's on my website as well. Amazing. And I'll link all your social media handles in the show notes as well. So if you guys um, are interested in that, head to the show notes and you can you can follow from Instagram and websites from there. But thank you so much for all of your pearls as a listener. It's been such an amazing chat. I feel so so 
I feel so grateful. I feel so happy. I feel joyous just having you on here and having some of those hard conversations because, again, I feel like in our society, we don't do that. You know, this podcast is all about nutrition and health, but I've been hassling you to come on for a few months now, haven't I? Because I know what an important conversation this has been and will be for so many people listening at home. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. And guys, make sure that you check out the next episode where Sierra is going to answer all of the listener questions at home. It's going to be incredible and make sure you go and follow her on um, social media particularly on instagram i love 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 her profile and it is so positive and uplifting and she is one of those you know very small amounts of accounts that you will get positivity and feel so much empowerment from following when you see her posts thank you again for for coming on the podcast and we'll chat to you guys very soon in the next podcast thank you so much